0: In a great marriage, if you put each other first, no one comes in second. Ariel Ford. Stay tuned to learn how to keep the spark in your soulmate relationship or how to find it.
1: She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve.
0: everybody and welcome back to another episode of her brilliant health revolution today we're diving into relationships which is a concern of all women at midlife either they're in one and they want to know how to maintain it in a strong fashion or they want to be in one or they want to get out of one or they want to know how to love themselves while being alone how to cultivate love in their life so no matter what relationship status you have no matter what stage of life you're in. You are going to absolutely love my guest today. I have been a fan of hers for over 10 years. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Ariel Ford, and then we'll get started. Ariel Ford is the leading personal growth and spiritually-based love and relationship expert, in my opinion, who has been living, teaching, and promoting consciousness through all forms of media for over 25 years years. Her mission is to help people find love, keep love, and most importantly, to be love. Arielle is a gifted writer and the author of 11 books, including the international bestseller, The Soulmate Secret, Manifest the Love of Your Life with the Law of Attraction. She's also the author of Turn Your Mate into Your Soulmate, devoted to exploring a simple, fun and effective way to attain groundbreaking shifts in perception so that you can embrace and find the beauty and perfection in yourself and your mate. She has been called the cubit of consciousness and the fairy godmother of love. Whatever stage of life you're in or whatever your relationship status, Ariel can help you experience the love that is your birthright. Welcome, Arielle. Well,
1: thank you, Karen. It's so great to be with you.
0: Super excited to have you. I have been a fan for over a decade, and I'm so excited to share you with my audience because as I was explaining, we have women in all stages of relationship or phases of relationship right some women married and maybe it's been 30 years and they're really feeling like i don't know how to keep the flame alive so they want advice and i've got women who maybe are in a second stage who got divorced and they're wanting another relationship that's the category i'm in and maybe there are women who don't want to be in a relationship but they want to know how to have love in their lives so super excited to have you
1: here and talk about love. Great. Well, you know, I think given the spectrum of your audience, let's start with what love is. Let's do it. <laughs> because so many people are kind of screwed up when it comes to what is love and there's you know, there's just a lot of misinformation out there. So most people believe that love is a feeling. Oh, I know that I love you because it feels like there's champagne coursing through my veins. And the whole concept of being in love, or what I like to call the socially acceptable form of insanity is really the greatest drug high available. Being in love is nature's trick to get us to procreate. And as a doctor, you know what's going on in the brain. You know, your brain's just cascading waves of dopamine and adrenaline and oxytocin and serotonin. And we think that's what love is because it's this miraculous feeling. And as a doctor, you also know it doesn't last. You know, if you're lucky, it's six months to three years on the outside and then the drug high goes away and then you're left with another human being that you aren't really sure that you love or not because the feeling's gone and you don't know how to say, well, well I think I love you, but I don't know if I love you because I don't feel the same. So here's the hard truth that mature adults can handle. Love is a behavior. Love is a behavior. Love is a choice. It's an action. It's a way of being. And sometimes you'll have those feelings and sometimes you won't. And there may even be days where you hate your soulmate, but it doesn't mean that you don't love them. So we have to really get on the page of what love is. Love is about a choice and it's about devotion. Got it. Not about the feelings.
0: Shall we call those feelings really infatuation?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. It's infatuation. It's lust. There's actually some technical terms for it, which I can never remember. But my friend, Dr. Helen Fisher, who's the world's leading love biologist, she has all the right words for this. I think one of them is called limerence or something like that. But really what my mission in life is, is to help people find love, keep love and most importantly, be love. Oh, I love that. Okay,
0: let's dive into that. We talked
1: about being love is a choice. I don't know you. We just met today, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to choose to love you. I'm going to choose to make up a story that you're a good woman on a good mission with a big, generous heart who's clearly helping people. And that's something I admire and I can choose to love about you. And you can also choose to be a love philanthropist. Okay, so in order to do that, we have to fill ourselves up every day with love so that we can go around dropping love everywhere that we go. And for women, the fastest way to be able to do this is to become what I call a pleasure puppy. (laughs) Now, you know all about oxytocin, right? So, oxytocin is the love bonding hormone. So, when we're hugging somebody for 20 seconds or more, we're building oxytocin. When we're looking into the eyes of our beloved or a child or a baby or a pet, or we're listening to beautiful music, we're experiencing oxytocin. And what happens with women is that when we get stressed out, we empty our oxytocin bucket. We run out of the love bonding hormone, and then we're bitchy and we're not fun and nobody wants to be around us. So my belief is that every day, we have to become pleasure puppies and fill up our oxytocin bucket. And the way to do this is to choose oxytocin building activities and make it the number one thing on your to-do list. So it could be getting your hair done, getting a massage, getting a foot rub, getting a mani-pedi, Dancing, laughing, doing an act of service for somebody, cuddling with your cat or petting your dog. All of these activities build oxytocin and then you're filled up with love and then you have more love to give. Now, none of this is true for men. Okay, so you can be a pleasure puppy. But if if your guy is stressed out, it's because his testosterone is depleted. And getting a mani-pedi will not fix that. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what will fix it. The number one thing to rebuild testosterone, this is just so crazy, is chopping wood. That will do it the fastest. (laughs) But the other things that will do it is playing sports, working out, Having drinks with friends, sitting in his favorite chair with a beer, watching Sports Center, all of those things. The thing that will deplete his testosterone, if you see that he's come home and he's really stressed out, if you really want to deplete him any further, ask him how he's feeling. That will make things <laughs> so much worse. You know, if he comes home and he's massively stressed out, the best thing you can do is hand him the remote control, his favorite beverage, and tell him to go spend an hour watching whatever's gonna make him happy.
0: I love that, That really what we experience in real life, but I think that a lot of times we women condemn men for these behaviors and we get upset when they don't support us in our pleasure puppy behavior, like getting mani petties. But I love what you're saying is understand the opposite sex work with their biology, and just give them what they need.
1: Right. And the whole thing with getting the mani petty, you know, if they give you some crazy remark about it, you know, you can just tell them, I am rebuilding my oxytocin tank so I have more love and care to give you. You know, you want me to do this. This is actually good for our relationship. So you need to be able to, because they don't know any better, but men respond really well. If you explain why to them, why they should do something, they're more likely to do it. If you just roll your eyes and bitch and moan, you're not going to make any progress because they're different creatures from us. Okay. We need to understand that. You know, if you want to have a really deep emotional conversation about the person at work that really pissed you off, and that's not the kind of conversation they're any good at, ask them for a hug just say, listen, I don't need you to solve any of my problems. But what I do need is a little love and and care. So if I could use a big hug, and then I'm going to go call Karen, and she's going (laughs) to listen to me bitch and moan, and she'll console me and give me the advice that I need. So don't ask your partner to be the be all end all, you know, work with what they're good at doing, and then use your girlfriends for everything else.
0: Okay, perfect. So now we've talked about what love is and then what you, you know, filling your pleasure uh, bucket, your oxytocin bucket by being a pleasure puppy. And so for ladies, my people who are in relationship, I'm doing a group program right now and I have quite a few women who have been married over two decades in there. And they're really struggling because they say my partner and I have nothing in common. We have nothing to talk about we don't even want to go out to dinner because we don't talk they're not having sexual intimacy. How, what advice would you give them to start rekindling that love? Cause once they were in limerence and they were passionately in love, how do they rekindle that?
1: Well, the first thing I would have them do is sit down with like a, you know, a legal pad, put a stripe down the middle of it. And on the left side, write down all the things you loved about them in the beginning all the memories you have, all the positive things that happened, all the things that you still admire and respect about them and leave the right side empty. We're not going to do any bitching and moaning. We're just going to go back and look at all the positive stuff. And then once you have this list, I want you to sit down and write them the smooshiest love letter you've ever, ever written. It's like, you know, Dear John, I remember the first time I ever saw you at Kieran's cocktail party and I noticed, you know, your big brown eyes and that curly hair and that big smile of yours and my heart just started to melt. And then when we talked and you put your arm around me, I just completely noticed how big and strong you were and what, you know, how masculine your presence was. And then on our first date, we did this. And then in our wedding, you said that. And then when our first child was born, this happened, and all the times I saw you sitting at the kitchen table helping little Johnny with his math homework and taking the kids to play ball at the park. I want you to write this really long, beautiful, memory-filled love letter of all the things you loved and cherished about your life together. And you're not going to ask him for anything. You're just going to write this beautiful letter about everything you love, admire, and respect about them over the years. You're not going to ask for anything. And then you're going to buy a beautiful I love you just because card, and you're going to fold the letter into it, and then you're going to put it somewhere where they're going to find it when you're not around. And I promise you that will open a door. That will start something. Because you're going to re-trigger those experiences and those feelings and those memories of what was once. And then you want to just take baby steps. You don't want to try and figure this all out at once. It might take six months. I read a whole book about this. It's called Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate, right? And step one is this love letter. And since we don't have all day to tell you what the other 15 steps are, I'm going to tell you what the last step is, okay? okay. But don't start with this one. You're not ready to start with this one. The last one is, is that you want to do an activity with your spouse Something that you both consider life threatening. So it could be jumping out of an airplane, bungee jumping, a roller coaster ride, level four whitewater river rafting, watching a scary movie, but it has to be something that's going to cause an adrenaline rush in both of you together. So you want to book this crazy activity and it's okay. You are going to be scared to death. And that's the point. <laughs> Okay, you do want to be scared to death and you're going to book this activity. Let's say it's bungee jumping and then you're going to look at the route home and you're going to pick out a cute little motel or hotel to spend the night in after you do this crazy thing. Because what's going to happen is that when you have a shared experience of surviving death together, all those hormones that you had when you were in the in love stage, get reactivated and your brain gets flooded with adrenaline and oxytocin and everything else. And you have this thing with, oh, my God, look what we did. And you're all turned on and then you're going to go to the motel and have sex.
0: Ah, I love how you're, you really tap into the biology of humanity, of humans and the biochemistry and really help us to understand what activities we need to have in our lives to kindle, rekindle love. That's pretty revolutionary. And I know you talk about the unknown secret to relationship success that everyone needs to
1: know. What would that be? Okay, so I'm sure you know who Dr. John Gottman is, right? Yes, University right. Of Washington. He is the god of all marriage research. I bow to him mentally all the time. So Gottman has had this thing called the marriage lab for over 50 years where he's been studying couples. He can now observe a couple for 15 minutes and tell you within 98% accuracy if they will be married three years from now. That's how good he is. And what he's discovered is that every single couple, not just some, every single couple has a minimum of nine irreconcilable differences. These are things on which they will never, ever agree. And this is normal. And yet we keep trying to change the other person. We keep thinking there's something wrong with them because we disagree with them on money and sex and parenting and being on time and what's clean versus what's dirty, the perfectionist versus the messy one. And the truth is, almost in every relationship I've ever come across, you've got a spender and a saver. You've got a person who's on time and the one who's always late. We have the one who's the clean freak and the one who's messy. And we're always angry at that person because they're not doing things the way we want them to do it. And here's the fix to that. First, we have to accept that you're never gonna change them and they don't have to change. As long as there's no bad behavior, abuse or addiction, you can find acceptance and a creative solution for the thing they've been doing for 30 years that makes you absolutely crazy. Now, how do we do this? I'm going to tell you two different ways. First, I'm going to tell you how Harville Hendricks solved this problem. And then I'm going to explain what wabi-sabi is. So Harville Hendricks is the other grandmaster of relationships. Oprah calls him the marriage whisperer. He and his wife, Helen, have been teaching for Oh, my God, they're close to 80 now. So they've been teaching forever. And I was interviewing Harville about this years ago. And we were talking about Gottman's research. And, you know, what do you do when your partner does something, you know, that makes you late? How do you come up with a creative solution? And he was so funny. He said, Helen's always late. And one night we, I was at a restaurant And I was waiting for her, and 10 minutes went by, and 20 minutes went by, and 30 minutes went by, and I started to notice that I was very anxious and very worried, and then a memory came to me. He said, the memory came, I was 12 years old, I was a latchkey kid, my mom worked all day, I came home from school, let myself in, and every day at 5.30, my mother would come home from work. But on this particular day, she didn't come. And then at 7.30, my uncle came and my uncle came to tell me that my mother would never come home again, that she had died of a heart attack at work. So now the idea of somebody being late is triggered to my memory that something really bad has happened. So when Helen arrived 35 minutes late and she sat down, he just decided to tell this story. He said, all these years, I've been so angry and annoyed because you're always late. But now, now I remember why, why this is such a problem for me. What's the solution we can come up with? And Helen said, oh, I'm so, you know, she was devastated that she had been causing him all this pain. She said, I don't know that I can be on time, but I can be in communication and I can do everything in my power to let you know that I'm okay. Okay. That's true, intimacy. But that also required vulnerability. Mm -hmm. You know, he had to share the heartbreaking devastation. I mean, I could almost cry just thinking about, you know, the pain that he went through. And that's what we have to do with our partners. We, Especially if it's a man you're trying, he needs to understand why. And then you also have to reward him for good behavior. You know, so I'll give you an example. There was a woman in one of my workshops who said, you know, she doesn't mind, ta- she's a stay-at-home mom, she doesn't mind, mind taking most of the the housework and doing what it is she needs to do because he works really hard at his job. But the one thing that he needs to do is every Sunday night he needs to take out the garbage because it gets collected on Monday. And she just hates it for all these years. She's had to constantly remind him, take out the garbage, take out the garbage, take out the garbage. And she's just tired of nagging. And I said, okay, well, here's what we're gonna do. You're never gonna nag again, even if the garbage doesn't go out. But the next time he does take it out, when he comes back in the back door, I want you to walk up to him, throw your arms around him, hug him and whisper in his ear, You are my hero. You are my king. Because you took out the garbage, I don't have to get my hands dirty or smell that stinky, smelly stuff. And I feel like a queen. I love you and just walk away. That's the only thing you need to do. So, so how did it go? No, but he pretty much never forgot to take it out again, you know, because men respond to your tone of voice and they respond to logic what they don't respond to is being nagged or being told what to do you have to learn how to manipulate them is at the end of the day <laughs> and it's Conscious not just manipulation you know that nagging you know nagging bitching moaning doesn't work but here's what does work you know in the nicest kindest sweetest tone of voice you know you could say honey i know how much you love me And I know you would never consciously do anything to upset me. However, when you leave the toilet seat up and I get up at three in the morning to go to the bathroom and my butt falls into the cold water, it then wakes me up and I can't get back to sleep. And that's all you say. You don't have to make him promise to do anything. He now has this visual of you with your butt in the cold water in the middle of the night you know, so you just have to paint a picture and only one picture a day. You don't get to ask for four things at a time, you know, take it slow. Just one thing. And I know Dr. Gottman,
0: doesn't he talk about, is it the four horsemen of the apocalypse when it comes to
1: relationship? Can you talk about those a little bit? You know what? I haven't memorized them because I don't They're too biblical for me. I'm Jewish. Uh, So the whole thing of the apocalypse, (laughs) I just don't resonate with. You know, but what I can tell you that he does is that one of the ways he can look at a couple for 15 minutes to see if they're contemptuous with each other, which is a sign that the marriage isn't going to work, is if you roll your eyes. If you're ever rolling your Mm. eyes, that is a clear sign of contempt. What you want to do is when you are talking with your partner... You want to put down any of your electronics, your smartphone, your iPad, the remote, whatever, and you want to physically turn your body towards them. And then you want to give them their full and complete attention. Dr. Gottman calls this bidding. When somebody's asking for your attention, they're bidding for your attention. So you cannot, we all know we can't multitask, although we try to do it all the time. So there's nothing more rude than your husband or your partner or whoever, you know, trying to talk to you, and you're glancing down at text or you're pretending like you're paying attention and you're not. That's right. a relationship killer. You know, so even if you're they're not saying the most fascinating thing in the world, like, I love my husband to death, and sometimes he's talking about shit I don't want to talk about. You know? <laughs> However, it's important to him. You know, so I'll tell him it's like, listen, I've got a call coming up in 10 minutes. So give me the five minute version or, you know what, I'm about to go get on a call. I can't listen at all, but I'll be back in a half hour. And I want to hear all about the latest Grand Slam the Padres just did, because if you are not going to listen to your partner, I promise you they're going to find somebody who will. And if your expectation is they're always going to have the most fascinating stuff to say, well, just ask yourself, are you always saying the most fascinating stuff? (laughs) You know, I'm sure he probably doesn't want to hear the conversation you were eavesdropping on at the hair salon about, did you know so-and-so is doing such-and-such to who-and-who and and whatever. Right. He doesn't care, but you're, you know, you want to share it. So they're going to politely listen as well.
0: Yes. So bidding, I love that term, really making it a priority, making that the behavior you talked about, that love is a choice and how are you going to show up? And I think really becoming conscious of that. One of the tools I love to give my women is to have a date night. I'd be interested to know what you think of this, is I tell them, I say, when's the last time you guys went on a date? And they say, I don't know, years, decades. And so I say, okay, the assignment is... That each week, you you pick a night that it will be or a day or an afternoon each week. And that's a sacred time. So nothing else gets scheduled there. And you take turns, you alternate. So one week, you plan and pay. Next week, he plans and pays. And you trot, no talking about kids or family responsibilities, house money, And you try to be as creative as you can and really
1: make it interesting, things you haven't done. What do you think of that? I think once a week is probably too much for most people. Okay. I would say I would get them to commit to once a month initially. Mm -hmm. And then if that goes well, you know, then, then you could say, well, maybe we should do this is so much fun. Maybe we should do it twice a month. That sort of thing. But, yeah, I think especially if there's young kids involved, you definitely need the big time out away from that to remember that, you know, you were once the girlfriend, he was once the boyfriend or vice versa. I think a date night's really critical. And if you happen to be the planner in the family and he's not so good at planning, then take it on. You know, I believe Mm -hmm. in letting people shine at the stuff they're good at. And don't make them do the stuff that, you know, is going to cause them stress. Because the last thing you want them to do is show up stressed out. I remember when when Brian and I first got together, and we're about to have our 23rd anniversary next week. Oh, my God, it's next week. (laughs) We were working together. We had two businesses together. And then after work, he'd say, well, where do you want to go for dinner? And it used to piss me off so much because the last thing I wanted to do at the end of the day was make one more decision, even though he was doing it as a way of being courteous, you know, or taking into account what my wants were. And finally, I just trained him. I said, listen, I said, I don't ever want to have to figure this out. So why don't you just give me multiple choices? You know, (laughs) either make an executive decision, we're gonna go have Thai or sushi or Italian, and I'll be fine with whatever, or give me choices. You know, because that would be easier. Mm -hmm. And it's so great now because he'll still ask me, well, what do you want to do for lunch? And I'll just say, no, just think of something. And then he'll come up with something I wouldn't have thought of.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Yes. There's a training thing. People once said to me, sounds like you're training dolphins and dogs. It's like, yeah, it's a reward system. You reward people and animals for good behavior And you only teach one thing at a time. You don't try to get somebody to massively, like, change a lifetime of behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about wabi-sabi while we still have time. So in in Japan, I don't have a thing. Okay, I'm going to pretend. I want you to pretend this glass of water Mm -hmm. is an ancient Ming vase, priceless, ancient Ming vase. And on the middle of it is a long, crooked crack. So it's now a cracked ancient priceless Ming vase. In Japan, at the museum where they keep this ancient priceless Ming vase, they would take it, they would put it on a pedestal in the center of the museum, and they would shine a spotlight on the crack because there's an ancient form called wabi-sabi. It's an aesthetic called wabi-sabi that honors all things old, worn, crooked, broken, and impermanent. So what wabi-sabi is, is a way to find the beauty and perfection in imperfection. Beauty and perfection in imperfection. So what we want to do is first we want to wabi-sabi love ourselves. We want to love our own imperfections. And then we want to learn to love the imperfections of our partner. And as you know, you're not perfect and they're not perfect and none of us is ever going to be perfect. So how do you do that? I'll give you an example. So even though Brian's the clean, neat freak and I'm the messy one, we disagree on all kinds of things, including toothpaste. So when he first moved in with me, I would go in the bathroom and pretend this is a toothpaste tube. And I would see that my beautiful toothpaste tube was mangled in the middle. And it used to really annoy me because I like to do it the right way, you know. Oh, yeah, that you do it the right way from the bottom and roll it, right?
0: Exactly. So he's
1: into the bathroom and I honey, let me just explain to you the best way to use all the toothpaste. <laughs> and you just start and you roll it all the way up and like this, and then it's neat and orderly, and you don't waste any toothpaste. And he would just look at me like I was crazy and walk out. <laughs> so after like the third conversations like that, I started thinking, well. What's the solution? Because every time I see my mangled tube of toothpaste, I get really annoyed and I have bad negative thoughts about my beautiful, lovely soulmate. I thought, well, I'll get two tubes, his and hers. Then I thought, no, I'll see his and it will still bother me. (laughs) So I decided to talk to the tube of toothpaste. I had it in the palm of my hand and I said, okay, toothpaste, what's good about you when you're like this? What's the wabi-sabi solution? And I swear to God, this light bulb went off in my head. And it was like, oh, my God, I married a man who brushes his teeth. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And from that day on until to this day, this still goes on. Every time I see the mangled tube of toothpaste, after I straighten it out, I have this thought. Oh, I married a man who brushes his teeth will grow old together and he'll still have teeth. So that's a wabi-sabi love solution. He never changed. What changed was my perception. I had a shift in perception. I took something that annoyed me and now it makes me laugh.
0: I love that. That's so beautiful. It's kind of like the silver lining to the cloud. Sure there are clouds, but look at that beautiful lining when the sun shines over the cloud that you get to see that that brilliance. And without the clouds, then the sun The sunny days wouldn't be as meaningful, but yes, thank God I married someone who brushes their teeth so they get to keep their teeth.
1: Right, (laughs) right. And you can do this with anything, you know, like one of the things I used to do, and I still do actually, that drives Brian crazy, is that I don't see crumbs on the counter. I just don't see them. Now, I do clean the counter every night after dinner, but during the day or in the morning when I'm making breakfast, it just doesn't occur to me. Crumbs anywhere. I just don't see them, mm-hmm. but he does. And when we first were living together, you know, I'd walk in the kitchen and he'd say, why are there crumbs around the toaster? And it's like, what crumbs? And this went on for the longest time. Finally, Oh, and the other thing was I would leave my coffee cup in the sink. I'd lived alone for 44 years, Mm -hmm. you know, so I knew someday the coffee cup would go in the dishwasher, but there was just me. So it was like, why is your coffee cup in the sink? And why are there crumbs around the toaster? This went on a lot. And then one day I walked in the kitchen and he had this really goofy look on his face. And I said, what's going on? He said, well, I got up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water. And I saw your coffee cup in the sink, and I saw the crumbs around the toaster, and I fell more in love with you. And I'm like, huh? And he said, yes. He said, I realized I'm the one who's bothered by your coffee cup in the sink and the crumbs around the toaster. So since I'm the one who's bothered, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to cleaning up after you. Oh, right. And that's the solution. If he's leaving wet towels on the floor, And he can't lean over to put him in the hamper, but you're the one that doesn't like him. Just pick up the towel. You know, like pick your battles. You've been fighting this battle and losing. So just get over it. I'm going to tell you a really poignant story that illustrates this perfectly. You'll understand it forever. Okay. So I have these friends, Jerry and Diane. Jerry's a psychiatrist. Diane's a psychologist. He was 25 years older than her, her when they married. So they were both over 50. Way He was way over 50 when they married. And what Diane didn't know about Jerry when they married was that Jerry has an addiction. Jerry is addicted to poppy seed bagels. Ah. And every morning... He gets up before she does, he goes in the kitchen, he slices a poppy seed bagel, which sends dozens of little black seeds all over her white tile floor. He toasts his bagel, then he puts a schmear of cream cheese on it, and then he walks around the kitchen eating his bagel, dropping even more little black seeds on her white tile floor. Now, because Jerry was much older than her, when she would get up in the morning, the first thing she would do was wet a paper towel, get on her hands and knees, and wipe up all the little black seeds because, as you know, you can't sweep them because they just scatter. So this went on for years, and she was okay with it most of the time. But one morning, she was in a super bad mood. And while she was on her hands and knees, wiping up the little black seeds, she had this thought what would have to happen so I never have to do this again? And that was followed by the thought, oh, that would mean Jerry's no longer with me. And she began to cry. And from that day on, every morning as she wiped up the little black seeds, her heart would fill with love because it meant she had another day to spend with Jerry. Oh, that is so beautiful. And I think that
0: these little things, if you think about them that way, really can be ways to
1: have acts of devotion to your partner. And if you talk to my husband about this, he would say the number one thing to having a healthy, happy relationship is devotion, choosing mm -hmm. to be devoted.
0: We'll be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Hey there, it's Dr. Kieran. I'm just wondering how long you're gonna go with those unbalanced hormones. I mean, you told me during the Stop the Menopause Madness summit that you couldn't take it anymore. So where have you been? Since the summit, Deb M has already balanced her hormones, gotten to her goal weight, and is looking forward to wearing her bathing suit on the beach this summer. And Carrie, who hadn't been able to lose even five pounds in the past 10 years, has now lost an amazing 15 pounds and is feeling and looking great. Not to mention, she's sleeping better and her mood has improved. Erin, Ashley, Deb C and so many more are already enjoying the benefits of having balanced hormones. And I'm wondering if you could use some help finding out your personal hormone levels and knowing exactly what to do to balance your hormones so that you can lose weight, regain energy, balance your mood, feel sexy and confident, look great and master midlife or whatever you want to do. Know that all help begins with balanced hormones Everything you want in life begins here and nothing good. Ever comes from tolerating hormone imbalances. We're launching the Hormone Balance Mastermind again this July, so don't wait. Space is limited, and it will be months before we run this program again. Go to www.midlifemetabolisminstitute.com to apply for the program or get on the early bird wait list so that as soon as registration opens, you can can be the first to apply and secure your spot if you've had enough and you want to find out how good life can be once your hormones are balanced i know i'll see you there talk to you soon and we're back the studies do show that people men and women who are married fare way better with their health in the long run than single people, isn't that correct?
1: Yeah, it's called the marriage effect. Mm-hmm. A happily married people experience less pain when they are sick, heal faster when they do get sick, live longer, live healthier, more joyful lives, and married men outlive single or divorced men by seven years. That's a benefit that, most men could definitely use. And
0: so now you said happy marriages, because it's my understanding if it's an unhappy marriage, the health benefits actually are decreased.
1: Not so much for the men, okay? But for women. So women in an unhappy marriage don't do as well, although they, for the most part, may do better than single women. Now, single women can be totally healthy and happy on their own, as long as they have good, solid friendships. Mm -hmm. Because loneliness is the number one stress factor for single women. So if you're going to choose not to be in a romantic partnered relationship, no problem. Just make sure you cultivate close relationships, you know, with nieces or nephews and girlfriends or even man friends. Mm -hmm. make sure you have strong relationships because we all need people to lean on.
0: Well, let's segue then for my single people listening who want to be in a love relationship. They want to call in their soulmate. That's me. I've been divorced now nine years. I've done the work. I've unpacked all the shit and now I'm ready. And so how would you suggest that they start calling
1: in their soulmate? Okay. So- Actually manifesting a soulmate's pretty easy. <laughs> Learning to live with them is the hard part. So just know that it's not difficult to find a soulmate. I've got a free ebook on how to do it on my website. I'm sure you're gonna give them the link to it. It's a free yes. online dating guide because The fastest way is to go shopping online. We're all masters at shopping online. We all know how to order online. When you decide, oh, I'm finally gonna get up and go to a party, I need a new little black dress. You can go on to Macy's or Bloomingdale's or Amazon or whatever, and you're gonna know, I need a black cocktail dress, sleeveless V-neck. I'd like it to be silk. And you you put in all your keywords and then the options come up. And then maybe you order three because you're going to try them all on and send two back, right? You're a master at that. Right. Finding a soulmate is that easy. Here's what you need to know. You have to have clarity on the heart traits and qualities your soul is most calling for, okay? So, And whatever that list might have been 15 months ago, after having been in lockdown, the list has probably changed. You may find the values you want now is somebody who knows how to self soothe and somebody who knows how to work out at home, and who isn't freaking out if they can't get to the gym two hours a day, somebody who can do home repairs, somebody who knows how to cook, somebody <laughs> who, who will play board games with you. Because the truth is, we will go into lockdown again. What we just went through, it's not going to go away and never happen again. Mm-hmm. All you- Do is listen to the science, okay? There will be more pandemics, unfortunately. So if you're going to choose a partner, you need to do it with precision. Okay. What are the traits and qualities you most need in a partner? So obviously, you want the most important ones. So there needs to be connection, compatibility, chemistry, which is the least important. You don't need a ton of chemistry, you just need some communication skills, which can be learned, but the single most important factor is a shared vision for the future, okay? Where do you wanna live? What kind of place do you wanna live in? When you do travel, where do you wanna travel to? You know, if you're of childbearing age, If you want children, that's the number one thing you got to find out right off the bat. That's not something that can change. Don't have sex with somebody before you find out whether or not they want to have kids, because then you're going to get bonded to them. And then they're going to go, hell no, I hate kids. I never want to have kids. And then your heart's going to get broken.
0: So speaking of sex, well, there's so many questions in here to ask. We talked about the biochemistry of limerence and infatuation, and there are a lot of arguments on either side, when to have sex, early, late,
1: marriage. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So when, I'm just speaking to women now, I don't know if you've men on this thing. Just women. When actually a man or a woman provides you with sexual pleasure Mm -hmm. and your brain goes crazy on oxytocin, you become bonded to them. Your falling in love process begins. So, you don't want that to happen until you know that this is your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You need to spend enough time with them to have the conversation of STDs and have you been vaccinated? And are we going to be in an exclusive monogamous relationship? And once you have that conversation and you both agree, that's when you have. You know, sex. It doesn't mean you can't run around the bases and make out and have some fun, but like hardcore sex, you have to. I say you have to be in an exclusive monogamous relationship because it's such a bonding experience. Now, here's something to know about what happens when you go through the breakup stage. And I mentioned Dr. Uh, Helen Fisher earlier. She once said to me in an interview, "Blew my mind." She said, "Recovering from a broken heart." is harder than recovering from a cocaine addiction. That's how powerful these love hormones are. So you wanna be really careful before you get the oxytocin high from this lover that this is somebody who's worthy of you. And that means you take your time. You really take your, there's no rush. I want to remind you that love's a behavior, not the feelings, because when you're in these feelings, oh, we've been together many lifetimes. I've never felt this way about anybody. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with love. That's a great high, and it's fun. But you've got to get to know this person. And people will always ask me, well, how do I know if somebody's my soulmate?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Great
1: question. It's a great question. So I would say if you've been an exclusive Monogamous relationship for one year. You've met their friends and family. They've met your friends and family, and pretty much nobody's coming back at you with, oh, you're really missing out on this. You feel physically and emotionally safe with them. They're people you can count on. They're responsible, they're financially responsible, they're emotionally intelligent. They'll hold your hand and hug you on your bad days. They'll be your number one cheerleader on your good day. Mm -hmm. The conversation flows. You have this shared vision for the future. You've both agreed you want to live together or you want to live separately and see each other so many times a week. You can make all that up. Doesn't matter. We live in a world. You can actually live long distance if you want, as long as you're all in agreement about Mm -hmm. the the amount of time you spend together. If they hit all those benchmarks you know, even if it's not the wildest feeling of chemistry ever, Mm -hmm. but you have this level of comfort and compatibility and connection, that's who you want as a life partner. Because as we know that hot, hot sex thing, it's not going to last forever, but something better shows up, which is the deeper intimacy.
0: Yeah. And just, do you think that everyone has a soulmate or many soulmates or is it
1: Yeah. So this whole big thing that we each only get one big love in a lifetime is just a big fat lie. It's not true. So let's define what a soulmate is. A soulmate is somebody that you can completely be yourself with, somebody with whom you share unconditional love. And when you look into each other's eyes, you have the experience of being home. So the truth is you already have many soulmates. It could be your kids, your parents, your siblings, your coworkers, your best friend, your cats, your dogs. All of those can be soulmates. So you want to start, if you're manifesting a soulmate, you want to start by having a daily gratitude practice of thanking God, goddess, the universe, whoever, for the abundance of love you already have. And when you're in a state of gratitude for all the love you already have, that then makes your heart magnetic to calling in a romantic soulmate. So the answer to the question is, yes, you already have a lot of soulmates and you can have more and you only need one romantic soulmate at a time. And you could have been married to one for 20 years and had kids and had a nice life. And then it was over. It had an expiration date. It doesn't mean they're still not your soulmate. It just means you're on to another one. You can be best friends with all your exes if you'd like.
0: And that's a great point. I think we see in our culture divorce as a failure. And I don't see it that way. Can you talk a little bit about
1: that? It absolutely isn't a failure. Lots of people have starter marriages. Maya Angelou always said, when we know better, we do better. Right? Right. So you got to give yourself a break to say, oh, I was married to him for eight years and then he cheated on me. And so he wasn't my soulmate is to discount all the joy and pleasure and fun that you had during those eight years, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you go even deeper, generally, either you knew ahead of time he was incapable of being monogamous because some men just are incapable. And that's a whole other conversation, you know, and you hoped it would be different from you or you stopped feeding the relationship and he stopped feeding the relationship and stuff happened and you didn't work through it. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's why people with MDs and PhDs are so important. You know, counseling really works, but you need somebody who's qualified to counsel you, you know, because that shit happens all the time, but it doesn't mean it has to be the end of your marriage unless you've decided it is, you know, you can try and work it out.
0: Right, so working it out. But if you both decide that it's over, it doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that that relationship has taught you what...
1: It's it's morphing into a new relationship, especially if there's kids. You'll become Mm co-parents. Gwyneth Paltrow was on the Today Show this morning talking about her relationship with Chris Martin, the father of her children, Mm -hmm. and how they're like brother and sister now, and they're such great friends, and she's remarried and he's remarried, And they were able to morph their relationship into something new as they went in different directions. And that's possible, not for everybody, but if you work at it, you can make it happen.
0: Yeah, Uh, wasn't she part of the, was it called conscious uncoupling?
1: Yeah, she popularized that term. Popular, you know, but, you know, my sister wrote a book in 2003 called Spiritual Divorce, which was sort of a precursor to all of that about really looking for the spiritual gifts of the splitting apart and then coming together again in a new kind of relationship.
0: Yeah, I think that's important for women to hear because I talk to a lot of women and some of them feel like my marriage is over and they've gone through trying to rectify it and it just hasn't worked. But they have this sense of, I bet I don't want to get divorced because then I failed. I even had that before I we finally came to the decision that that was the right choice. So I want anyone listening who's in that position to know it doesn't mean you failed. It means you were successful and you've graduated
1: to a different type of relationship. This line is that sometimes these things are happening for you. It's like maybe this next relationship is going to take you to levels of enjoyment that you didn't even know were possible. You know, because you married young or you married the wrong person, but you stayed for the kids, which is a proper thing to do. But the kids are now grown. So you're going to graduate yourself to go and manifest the next best person in your life. So anytime you spend in guilt or shame or remorse is just the antithesis of being a pleasure puppy, (laughs) you know? (laughs) That is a good
0: point. And I wanted to ask you about a couple other things. I know our time is drawing short, but you talk about why living as if will get you love faster. And I'm going to get two things in here. And you talk about feathering the next. Can you talk about
1: those? Okay, well, they're two very different things. So living as if is when your behavior matches your belief okay so let's say your belief is i'm open willing and available for my my new soulmate to walk into my life your behavior then becomes every time i leave the house i look as hot as possible uh-huh. your new behavior is oh you too is going to be coming to town for a concert four months from now i'm going to buy two tickets today knowing and trusting my soulmate and i will go to the concert Oh, I see these beautiful happy anniversary cards and birthday cards. I'm going to buy these cards and I'm going to have a drawer full of cards ready to give him someday. Oh, I'm really in the mood to Coco Vaughn then. So I'm going to buy all the ingredients and I'm going to cook a beautiful dinner for two. I'm going to set a beautiful table for two with flowers and music and candles. And I'm going to sit at the table and I'm going to talk to this empty chair knowing someday My beloved will be sitting here having this delicious meal with me with the wine. And then the extra food I'll have for lunch the next day. All of that is living as if.
0: Okay, got it.
1: Okay, feathering the nest is getting your physical home ready. So even if you're living in a place right now where you say there's no way he or she's ever moving into this place with me, you need to do this. So what we're going to do is, A, we're going to clear out all the clutter. Clutter stops the good energy. It's all feng shui. We're gonna clear out the clutter. If there are photos, mementos, or souvenirs of past relationships, you're gonna box them up and put them in the garage, give them away, hide them under the bed. Ideally, you're gonna get them out of the house. Mm-hmm. If they happen to be pick, if you have children living at home and it's pictures of the other parent, then you're gonna put all those things in their bedroom only in their bedroom so that when your new date walks in, they're not picking up, oh, this is like Greece. Were you in Greece? Oh yeah, that was my honeymoon 32 years ago. No, 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 no. Then in the bedroom, you're going to make sure that the nightstand on their side of the bed is equal height to your nightstand and that it's 100% empty. You're going to empty out one drawer in the dresser. You're going to give them some empty space in the closet to hang their clothes. You're going to clean off one shelf in the medicine cabinet. If you have a two-car garage and you've been parking in the middle, you're going to move over. So you're going to do all of these physical things to tell the universe I literally have space in my home to welcome in another so that's what feathering the nest is
0: I love this and they can read more about that in your the soulmate secret right yes yes manifesting the love of your life with the law of attraction and you've got the amazing online dating guide I will have a link to it in the show notes would you like to tell them a little bit about that
1: yes the reason most women bitch and moan that dating online didn't work for them is because they didn't know what they were doing and they were doing it all wrong. So I just thought this is so stupid. So in this free online dating guide, I actually give you templates on how to write a winning profile. All you have to do is kind of fill in the blank with your own words. I give you step-by-step instructions on how to date online and how to do it and how to be available and Right now, it's so much easier because we all got so good at video chatting. You don't ever have to leave your home again for a first date. And I would recommend that you never leave your home for a first date. What you want to do is you can have a few little texts or emails back and forth, just a few. And then you suggest, oh, why don't we do a 15-minute video chat? If they say no, pass. Okay, if they can't, either they're passing because they don't look like their pictures Or, you know, it's too much work. So you want to do two video chats in advance to see, is the conversation flowing? Are they interesting? On a scale of 1 to 10, are they a 6 or higher? We're not looking for 10s. We're looking for a 6 or higher. Because women fall in love between their ears. Men are the visual ones. So just because he may not look like you wanted somebody to look like doesn't mean he doesn't have everything on your wish list. So after you've had two video chats, if those went well, then you want to meet somewhere in a public place. You don't want to go from a video chat to a long romantic dinner. Mm -hmm. You want to go for a coffee date or you want to go for a walk in a park or you want to go do something fun outdoors and then just take it slow. And you want to ask good questions. The questions I would ask on a first video chat, because I'm always looking for emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. The first question I would ask is, who were you in lockdown with? Now, this is going to tell you so much. Oh, I was with my ex-wife and my three kids so we could homeschool them together, okay? Or I was all by myself. So I went to the rescue place and got a dog, you know? So you're going to find out stuff. Second question is, what was the best part about being in lockdown? Like, what did you unexpectedly like about it? And then the most important question is, what was the hardest part about being in lockdown? Are they going to get vulnerable and talk about how lonely it was? You know, how much they missed seeing their parents or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have to be prepared to answer those same three questions, right? Because that's going to be a good conversation starter. You can't have that conversation really at a Starbucks on a first date. It's just a little too personal. Now, it doesn't mean you have to, be a bleeding heart on the thing, but you want to be friendly and open and vulnerable. You know, if you were home all alone, you could say, yeah, like definitely the hardest part was being alone so much and not being able to hug my nieces and see my friends. And, you know, now that I'm out and about, I've turned into a hugging monster. <laughs> I, everybody I see so you can be playful with it. But this online dating guide will get you started because it's all these women who live in this fantasy. Oh, I want to meet somebody organically. Yes, I would like to win the lottery organically, but I do know that if I don't buy a ticket, I'm not going to win. So if you (gasps) don't get online and start dating, you can't meet anybody because these guys don't know where you are if you're sitting home alone. The thing is what you could meet sitting home alone. Here are the options. Because when I was home, when I, before I figured out how to manifest my soulmate, I was working out of my house. I had three girls who came to my house every day, and I was running this business out of my house. I was thinking about, well, if I were going to meet somebody organically, who would I meet? Oh, well, there's Simmy. Simmy was my 70-year-old, married with grandchildren, mailman. Love Simmy, but not available. Then there was Tony. He was the sparklets water delivery guy. Gorgeous, gay. <laughs> Right. Then there was the FedEx guy. What was his name? His name was John. He was married and always showing me pictures of his little girl. You know, and there was the gardener, Jose, also married with four children. Right. So, fortunately, I met somebody through a business meeting because this was before online dating was a thing. You know, but today, if I had to go online, The rule of thumb I have for the girls that I coach, and I love coaching women into love, is you have to promise to spend 30 minutes a day online, all right? You've got to have a funnel going, and you've got to be chatting with these guys and doing video chats and going on at least two video chat dates a week, if not in-person dates. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to do this, so there's no shortage of love in the world. There's no shortage of conscious single men out there. What there is a shortage of is your willingness to get over the fact that you're pissed off that you have to work at it. <laughs> I love it. I think you're speaking right to me because you are. <laughs> and that's me, you know, with well, the online that's dating. all my clients. I know, I know the <laughs> syndrome, right? And I also know the solution to it. But it requires, you know, just like if you were going to go You know, you went to college, right? Mm -hmm. You didn't get an MD overnight. You had to study. You had lots, you had to participate. And you did. Now, dating is a lot easier than going to med school. So knowing that you made it through med school tells me that you can find your soulmate.
0: Well, thank you for that amazing advice. I'm for sure going to download the guide because I think I've been doing it all wrong. I love some of the tips you've given. I haven't heard some of the things you've offered, like those conversation starters are such great questions to really get at the heart of someone. So thank you so much for all this wonderful information for my married people, for my single people, for all my women who are wanting more love in their life. I can't thank you enough, Ariel, for sharing yourself, your experience, and your insight and brilliance. I really appreciate it.
1: You're so welcome. It's great meeting you. (laughs) You
0: too. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you during the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, post it on your social media and tag me, I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.